Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. And uh, if you're new, you won't know this, but that's a new bumper because we have a new series. This next four weeks, we're going to be talking about New Life's bullseye. Some of you know I'm a baseball fan, uh, all kinds of baseball. Uh, the Pirates, I'm still their fan, even though they are not very good. But one of my favorite baseball players, Yogi Berra, and may, maybe not because of his baseball skills so much as his weird sayings. Uh, Yogi Berra had a lot of sayings that didn't sort of make sense, but in a way they do. And my favorite one is this one. If you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else. If you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else. So here's the question. Do you know where you're going? Do you have a plan to get from where you are today to where you want to be tomorrow? And if you do have a plan, how's it going? Are you making steps to get to where you're actually wanting to be uh, down the road in five years, ten years, at the end of your life? Well, here at New Life, we've been around for 16 years, and ever since day one, we knew exactly where we were going. Uh, We call it our mission, and our mission from day one was sharing the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. That's New Life's bullseye. We're going to talk about that a lot more during this series. As I said, it's a four-week series. But uh, Jesus came 2,000 years ago to the earth for the singular purpose of giving us the opportunity to know God and to have the life that is truly life, not just in heaven someday, but here and now on the earth. So our ancient ancestors, Adam and Eve, the very first two people, they were in a relationship with God. It was perfect. Everything was wonderful, but they rejected God. They decided that being like God was better than following God. And we call that sin when we decide that our will is better than God's will. That's sin. And so as a result of that rejection, everything has sort of been more difficult ever since. And that's a mild understatement. But Adam and Eve rejected God, but God didn't reject them. And God hasn't rejected his people, even though we constantly reject him. He, gives us, you know, he gave us another chance. In fact, he has given us thousands and thousands of chances in our lives. And the clearest example of God's desire for us to know him is his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to the earth as a human being because our sin created a penalty in us, which is a death penalty that God requires from us. And the only way we could escape that death penalty was for Jesus to come, God in the flesh, and to live a perfect life. And then he died on the cross and rose from the dead, conquering sin and death and giving us this opportunity for a new life. And the reason that uh, we have this series is because of a very, very powerful truth. At the end of this life, each of us is going to spend eternity in either heaven or hell. Now, that might seem pretty blunt, but I want to remind you something about God. God isn't willing for us to die apart from him. God is not willing for us to die apart from him. Um, The statement up on the screen has an underline there because we have an outline. If you want to follow the outline, you can. It's in the connection. I should have mentioned that already. Uh, But that's probably the first fill in the blank. Yeah, it is. God isn't willing for us um, to to die apart from him. That doesn't mean that no one dies apart from him. It means that his will is for us to be with him forever. But God has given us freedom. We can reject God's will. We can reject God's love, his truth, his goodness, his salvation. But God wants us to be with him forever. People have said to me over the years when they find out I'm a pastor, they say, well, I would never follow a God that would send people to hell. And I say, neither would I. 
And you might be thinking, wait a minute, Pastor Chris, are you saying that God never sends people to hell? That's exactly what I'm saying. God never sends people to hell. In fact, God has done everything he can to make sure that nobody goes to hell. If you go to hell or if I go to hell, it will literally be over Jesus' dead body. Have you ever thought of it that way? (laughs) Jesus died on the cross. He took our death on himself so that we don't have to die. In fact, everybody probably knows the verse John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And and the gave, it sounds very simple when we just say gave, but Jesus was crucified. There's never been a more painful method of execution invented by human beings. And he endured that so that we don't have to. And that's really the point. God isn't willing for, as Jesus said it this way, God isn't, uh, it isn't the will of your Father in heaven that even one of these little ones would perish. And so do little ones perish? Yes, every single day, unfortunately, little ones perish. But that isn't God's will. God's will and purpose is shown to us in Jesus Christ. And John three seventeen shows us uh, something that a lot of people don't know about God. It, it says this. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world because a lot of people think that the God of the Christians is a judgmental God. But he didn't send uh, Jesus into the world to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God is on our side. He is for us. And the purpose of this series is to demonstrate that that's the truth. And the, the bullseye of New Life Christian Ministries is to tell people that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and that his death paid the penalty for our sins so that we can have a new life forever. We know where we're going. And the important thing to remember is if you don't know where you're going, you could end up someplace else, right? So this morning, what we're going to do uh, is we're going to unpack our, start to unpack our mission statement. We have a mission statement and a vision statement. And those mission and vision statements give us guidance to tell us where we're going. And we're going to show the biblical underpinnings of our mission and vision statements during this four-week series. That's what we plan to do. So if you're here for the first time, if you're a guest, um, you'll understand better than maybe anybody exactly why New Life exists, why we started in the first place, and why we're continuing all these 16 years later to do the same exact thing that we've been doing from the very beginning. And as I said, I already told you what the mission statement was. We've only changed it one time in the 16-year history of New Life, and that was last year. At our 15th anniversary, we added a couple of words. It originally was sharing the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. Last year, we added these words. Listen how it is now. We exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And the difference is obvious. It's the two verbs, grow and live. And we added those verbs because we don't just want to tell people about Jesus. We don't just want to share the new life that we have. But we also, we want to grow and live in that new life. And we want to help people to understand that trusting Jesus as your Savior and Lord, getting saved, that's a very vital and eternally important thing. But that's just the beginning of the life in Jesus Christ. We want to grow into the person that Jesus created us to be. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about sharing the new life today, growing next week, and then living it the next week. And then the final week, we're going to talk about the vision statement. The vision statement is just a more specific way of saying what we generally believe in our mission statement, and that is that everybody needs to hear about Jesus and that we all need to trust him as Savior and Lord and then grow up to be like him and live that abundant life that he offers. And so here's our vision. It is to reach 1,500 people each weekend in our fully developed campus here in Saxonburg and to plant one church in our region and to facilitate the development of five other churches every year by 2020. We're going to unpack that one, as I said, in week four. But today, 
Let's look at the first part of the mission statement, sharing. And the way I'd like to start to do that is through our take-home point. If you're new, every week we seek to make one point in our messages that come from Scripture. We then take it home. That's why it's called the take-home point. And we seek to live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit in the week ahead. So here it is. I will share Jesus here, there, and everywhere. In other words, we're going to share Jesus everywhere. That's what New Life's bullseye is, to share the new life that we've received from Jesus with people everywhere. When we planted New Life... 16 years ago, we knew that New Life needed to be a different kind of church. And when I say different, what I mean is we were going to be right up front with telling everybody the reason that we exist is to share the new life of Jesus Christ with people that haven't received it yet, people that haven't heard about it, or people that haven't trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, because we believe that the most important thing we ever do in our lives is to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, receive a new life, as Jesus called it, being born again. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But have that new life and live it out here and now so that one day down the road when we die or when Jesus comes back, we will get to be with him forever. That's, that's the bullseye that we've been talking about all of these years. And we know something else about the church of new life, and that is that we are not going to be able to do anything I'm saying today without the power of the Holy Spirit. So we've emphasized the present work of the Holy Spirit in our lives since we started New Life. The other thing we decided to do, practical thing that we decided to do, was to have indigenous worship. What does indigenous worship mean? Indigenous means that we use the language of the people that we are in the communities where we serve. And we dress like the people who come from the community. We use the music that people listen to in the community. Um, Not the words that they have in that music, but we use Christian words with that kind of music. And then we use the technology that's available out there in the community. So why would we do that? Well, because if we were missionaries, if Nancy and I had decided that God called us to be missionaries in Africa, what would we have done? We would have studied the culture of the people where we were going to serve. And then we would have studied the language so we could communicate in their language. We would have done everything. We would have committed to do everything that we could do without compromising the truth and love of Jesus to become like the people where we went so that they could understand without any barriers, you know, cultural barriers or language barriers getting in the way. So why would we do anything differently if we were planning a church right here? And actually, there's a more basic question than that. Why plant a church in the first place? Why 16 years ago did we plant New Life? Well, the short answer to that is because Jesus told us to do it. So uh, let's turn to our Bibles. Now, if you have a Bible, would you please turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. We're going to look at, uh, we call it the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 to 20. And then we're going to look at a second passage, Acts 1, 4 to 8. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It'll be up on the screen. But these two passages are the, some of the last words of Jesus. And we know whenever you, know, you visit with friends that you haven't seen for a while, you spend the time together, but at the va- very end, whenever you're going to go apart again, those last words are the important words, right? And these are the most important words. I mean, all of Jesus' words are important, but these are the most important words Jesus spoke because he gave us the bullseye that we're supposed to hit as his church. So Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, 20 reads this way. Then the eleven disciples left Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And this is after Jesus rose from the dead, obviously. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Apparently, Jesus looked enough differently, and plus, you don't expect a guy to rise from the dead, that some were wondering. So Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then these words of Jesus from Acts chapter 1, 4 through 8. Again, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. And it was the last time he appeared to the disciples. He says, once, it says, once when he, that is Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words of Jesus, our marching orders to go out into the world and tell everybody about you and your salvation through him. God, we pray today that your Holy Spirit will open our minds, our hearts, our souls, our spirits, that we might receive your truth. And that if we've never received it before, that this would be the time when we trust you as Savior and Lord. But if we have, that we would take one more step closer to being mature and like you, as you call us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So these two passages have some differences. As we read them, they weren't word for word the same. But there are three similarities, at least three. And here they are. The first one is, Jesus is alive. The second one is, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit's presence. And the third one is that Jesus tells us to go into the entire world and tell everyone about him. So let's dig a little deeper into each of those three statements that are in agreement in Matthew 28, 16 to 20, Acts 1, 4 to 8. First, Jesus is alive. Well, that might not seem like a big deal if you've been following Jesus for a while. But remember, Jesus was dead. People die. We all die unless Jesus comes back first. But we all die. And when we die, we stay dead. But Jesus didn't. Whenever Jesus died, the thing we need to know about the apostles and his other friends, uh, the other people that believed in him before he died, they scattered like cockroaches when you turn on a light. You know what I'm saying? They were afraid. They were scared to death that the Romans and the Jews were going to arrest them and crucify them too. But then suddenly something changed, and all these timid people became staunch believers that Jesus was alive because he rose from the dead. Jesus was crucified. He had been beaten nearly to death by the Romans before they crucified him. There was no doubt he was dead, but now he's alive. This is a very powerful reality because we believe that Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins. And yet if Jesus just died, then I wouldn't be here today. Seriously, if Jesus was still in a grave somewhere in Israel, I would be home doing something else today. I think most of you would be too, because the new life that we have comes from the reality that Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, if we're going to have a life that's going to start over again, that's going to be new, that's really the point. I even want to put it up on the screen. If we're going to live meaningful lives, we have to start over, because we don't start out very good. I don't know about you, but I learned very early in life that I wasn't a good boy. Or you be a girl if you're a girl, but I was not a good little boy. I mean, people say, oh, you're such a good little boy. No, I wasn't. In fact, you know, my mother, whenever she went to the teacher conferences, uh, she would come home and she'd say, who are you sending to school in your place? 
because the teacher says you're such a good little boy. <laughs> and, and, and she just wasn't buying it. You know, she knew me 24-7, and my teacher just knew me in those hours when I knew that if I wasn't a good little boy, <laughs> I would pay for it at home. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I, I knew I wasn't a good little boy. I started out in the minus column when it comes to good. We all do. And so Jesus came to the earth, and he is the only one in the plus column for all of his life. He lived a perfect life. And so he died on the cross, and that was wonderful. But until he rose from the dead, it, it, really, didn't, it really didn't change anything. But once he rose from the dead, our sins were canceled, and the opportunity for a new and abundant life had come. So my new start in life, your do-over in life, it comes from the reality that Jesus is alive. That's a very important thing that Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1 both affirm that Jesus was dead, but now he's alive. And because he's alive forever, we have the opportunity to live forever too. So the next thing we find that both Matthew 28, 16 to 20 and Acts 1, 4 to 8 say is that Jesus promises the Holy Spirit's presence. He said it very clearly in Acts 1, verse 8. This is what he said. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he said it a little more indirectly in Matthew 28, 20. He said, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, how is Jesus with us? He's with us through the Holy Spirit's presence. That's how he is with us here and now. And one of the major differences between New Life and many churches here in America is we believe that we're never going to change apart from the present active power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We believe that the Holy Spirit is very much alive and at work in us, inside of us, changing us. Many times when we go to church, we're just told that here's what Jesus told us to do, and you got to try to live a good life. Trying to live a good life is like wishing you had a good life. Neither of them work. I had a boss, you know, and I'd, when I was doing carpentry work, and I would always say, I wish something, you know, and he'd go, well, wish in one hand and spit in the other. See which one fills up first. And uh, I, I got his point, you know, that wishing and trying don't usually work. Um, but something does work, and that's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus wants us to wait. It says that in Acts 1, verse 8. Wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. Well, when, when do we receive the Holy Spirit? We receive the Holy Spirit when we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Jesus said the difference when Jesus comes into our life through the Holy Spirit is so powerful that he called it being born again. And when we're born again, we have a new life. It's not just trying harder. In fact, let, don't raise your hand, but let me ask you this. How many of you have become better people by trying? You know, I mean, you try to get better. I mean, you maybe get this much better, right? But I mean, how many of you have eliminated sin from your life by trying? See my point? It doesn't happen. We don't get to be perfect people by trying. In fact, the perfection, if it comes, comes by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. When we trust Jesus, we become new people. And if we're going to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time, then here's the thing. We have to have the new life. We have to have experienced that power ourselves in order to share it. On the surface, it's the easiest thing in the world to become a follower of Jesus. We just surrender who we are everything we've been, and we give it over, and we say, it's not enough, and we know that, and so we want to surrender our lives to you, Jesus. Come in and be Savior. Come in and be Lord in my life. And from that moment, it seems like everything ought to be perfect, but we still have this battle going on, which we've talked about many times over the years between our old nature and the new. And the thing is, even self-made people here on earth who don't believe in God, 
even those people know that they don't have all the spots in their dominoes, right? I mean, they're, they're not perfect. Even atheists. In fact, there are, there are happy atheists out there, which is really only a, a demonstration that God's general grace is still available in the world. But all of us know there's something missing. And we need more than a tweak. We need more than therapy. And I'm not saying therapy isn't a good thing. I'm just saying it isn't enough to overcome the sin of our lives. Only Jesus' presence and the Holy Spirit can do that. So the life that is truly life comes from the blood of Jesus Christ being poured out to cancel our sins, to wash them away, and then the, the, the power of resurrection, which comes through the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. Finally, Jesus tells us to go into the entire world and tell everyone about him. In Matthew 28, Jesus told us, go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and remember that I'll be with you always to the end of the age. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he gave us some specific directions. He said, wait till you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, then go. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they were. For us, it would be Saxonburg or Sarver or Mars or wherever you're from today. And then he said, then go into all Judea, which would be the country, in our case, the United States of America. Then go to Samaria, which is the next door country, Mexico or Canada, and then to the ends of the earth. That's all the rest of the earth. And that was the plan that Jesus had for us to go tell everybody everywhere in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing that we have to understand. Jesus' command was not only for the apostles, but for everyone. Over the years, I've heard so many people say to me, well, you know, Pastor Chris, I just don't feel called to go into mission, you know, out on the mission field. I don't, I don't really feel called to tell people about Jesus. Or, or even this one, I believe in Jesus, but I don't really think it's my place to tell somebody else what they should believe. And, and here's, the, here's the reality. The reality is the Great Commission is for everyone who follows Jesus. The Great Commission isn't just for missionaries, it isn't just for pastors, but it's for everybody who follows Jesus. So if you've ever said this, I don't feel called to go to blank, and you filled in the blank with China or India or Cambodia or Mexico or Pittsburgh or Mars, Pennsylvania, okay, you didn't feel like you were called to go to any of those places, just remember the Great Commission is a general command to every believer. It's not a specific call to just a couple people. And so when we planted New Life Christian Ministries as a church, our bullseye was for everybody to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And we had this qualifier, one person at a time. Why was that? Well, there's a, there's a very practical answer. When I was in second grade, one person, my Sunday school teacher, told me, you're going to be a preacher someday. I thought she was crazy, but turned out she wasn't as crazy as I thought. Then there was one pastor who mentored me when I was a teenager in the Bible so that I had a very strong rooting and grounding in the Bible before I ever graduated from high school. One person uh, on Mother's Day, the, the year I was a senior in high school, I preached on Mother's Day, and afterwards she said to me, I think you missed your calling because I was planning to go to West Point. I wasn't going to be a pastor because I was trying to avoid God's call in my life. She didn't even know that. But what she did was she spoke into my life and reminded me uh, of who I really was supposed to be, you know, and, and actually that helped me to do the right thing, which was to not go to West Point and then to eventually, five years later, decide I would finally become a pastor. Uh, so not everybody can stand up on stage and preach a message that's helpful. Not everybody can stand in front of a thousand or 10,000 people and give an evangelistic call and see hundreds or thousands of people come to the Lord. But every person who has Jesus Christ in our lives can tell one person about Jesus. Every person 
can tell somebody the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the only questions are, will we do it? And where will we do it? The, the only questions are, are we going to be obedient or not? Are we going to do it? Or, and, and if we are, then where? And in his book, Radical, Pastor David Platt said this. He believes that every Christian should take a week every year and go someplace. It could be, you know, Pittsburgh. It could be Butler. It could be in your own local town. It could be Cambodia, China, India. It could be anywhere. One week, which is 2% of your time, invest that in telling other people about Jesus. And he said that that 2% would radically transform the other 98% of your life. Now, having invested usually 4 to 6% of every year of my life since I got into the ministry in such activities, I know that he's right. In fact, it's that mission work that I did in West Virginia and North Carolina and Cambodia and Mexico, Cuba, various other places over the years that has shaped who I am as a believer in Jesus Christ and also who I am as your lead pastor. On our recent trip to Cambodia, we had a member of the trip who had never been on an airplane, and he flew to Cambodia to, to do a mission work. You know, that's nuts. I'm just going to say, that's sort of nuts. You've never been on an airplane, and you're going to get on an airplane and fly to Cambodia. I would have thought maybe he would have booked a flight to Cleveland, you know, from Pittsburgh to Cleveland, just to see what it was like, you know, the up and the down and all that. No, he said, let's just go to Cambodia. While he was there, the team that he was in saw 200 children in the public schools in Cambodia come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And when he came back, every, since he's come back, every week somebody has responded to Jesus Christ being Lord and Savior through his just daily activity one-on-one -on -one with people. Now that is the kind of thing that, that, yeah, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? Okay, so his name's Ken Nelson, and uh, when Jesus commanded uh, us to tell others about him, uh, he knew that there was only two choices, to obey or disobey, and he decided to obey. Now, am I saying that all you're going to have to get on a plane for the very first time and fly somewhere in the world? No. It doesn't mean that at all. What it might mean is you just turn to your right or to your left, and you talk to the person that you don't know next to you. That really sometimes could be how you be faithful to this command to tell somebody about Jesus. And if you're afraid, I mean, you're too old, you're too young, you're too weak, you're too strong, you're too whatever... Here's the thing that we all have to understand. It is a command, and a command from Jesus, we only have two options, as I said, obey or disobey. And when we obey, he will give us the power and the strength to do it. He said, be my witness. He didn't say, be my preacher, be my missionary, be my evangelist. He said, be my witness. What does a witness do? A witness says, well, I saw that car. It went through the stop sign. It hit into the other car. I say what I saw, right? In the case of being a follower of Jesus, what I say is, I remember when I was a little kid, I tried to shoot my mother with a shotgun because she sent me to bed without my dinner. I was ticked off, and so that's the kind of person I was. That's why I knew I wasn't a good little boy. And that's probably why she thought they sent somebody else to school instead of me. Um, and I knew that's the way I was. And then when I was 12, I trusted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And since then, my life has changed. And it didn't immediately change, that, like, 100%. It hasn't still changed 100%. The 100% changes, I'm, I'm redeemed. I belong to Jesus now, and when I die, I'm going to heaven. But the, the rest of the percent is to the degree that I let the Holy Spirit work in my life, and now he lets me do loving, caring things in, in his power. I'm still that little boy that, you know, wasn't a very good little boy. But my nature, uh, my sinful nature never changed, but the power of God in me 
is what is different. It's what, why Paul said at one point in his ministry, it's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. That's the goal of our lives. So you can just say, here's how I used to be, then I trusted Jesus, and here's what's going on in my life now. And it's especially cool whenever somebody says, you know, I'm struggling with anger. For me, that's the one. Somebody says, I struggle with anger. I go, oh, man, let me tell you about that. I mean, well, if you're a five-year-old and you're trying to shoot your mom, you know you're struggling with anger, right? And when I was a teenager and all through my life, up until my 50th birthday, actually, I really, really struggled. And, and now God has worked in my life in such a way that most of you have never seen me with an outburst of anger, unless you know me for more than 10 years. If you've known me for more than 10 years, you have. Um, so anyway, the point is, where are you now? Where are you going? And is Jesus in your life? If Jesus is not yet in your life, then this message really isn't for you. Because this message is for everybody who has trusted Jesus, Savior and Lord, surrendered our lives, and been born again. And you can do that right now if you never did. All you, all you have to do, it's, it's very easy to do, simple to do, but not easy to live out. Because he's going to ask you to do some interesting things. In fact, I can assure you this. If, if you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else. But if you do know where you're going and Jesus is in charge of your life, you will also end up someplace else. <laughs> He's going to send you different places, you know, whether it's just here locally or somewhere that you never thought you would go. But the point is, right now, you can say, Jesus, I know that you're not my Lord, meaning owner of my life. I know you're not my Savior, but I want that. I want this kind of life that Pastor Chris is talking about. So if you surrender yourself to him, he, he'll give you that. He'll come in. You'll be born again. You'll have a new life. And then it's just the beginning of this life that is truly life that we're going to talk about more next week and growing. We're going to talk about the next week and living it out. But today can be the beginning. For all of us, for all of us who have trusted Jesus, I, I want to ask this one more time. Where are you going right now? Are you following where he's leading? Am I following where he's leading? Are we being obedient? Are we doing what he calls us to do in the power of the Holy Spirit? And if we are then wonderful. If we're not, then it's time to step it up a bit because the bullseye is the bullseye because it's where we're headed. And we believe that every person who's associated with new life is called to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time, wherever we are. Jerusalem, which is Saxonburg or wherever. You know, Judea, which is the U.S. Um, Samaria, which is Canada or Mexico or the ends of the earth, which is the ends of the earth. So here's the commitment for this week. I will share the new life of Jesus wherever I am this week. Wherever you are, school, work, home, out on the you know, soccer field, uh, out, out in the community at the arts festival today, I will share Jesus, the new life of Jesus wherever I am. We can do that in words or actions. Does that mean you're going to be booking a flight to Cambodia this week? Probably not. We don't even have a trip going until January. <laughs> but maybe in January, maybe in August, maybe, maybe so. Or maybe it just means that for the first time, you get up the courage that the Holy Spirit will give you to say, hi, I'm Chris. Who are you? What, you know, what's going on in your life? And that conversation may lead to something amazing. A person who was far from God may be brought close. That's why we're here. After we get to know Jesus, might as well go see Jesus if we're not going to do anything uh, you know, to help other people know Jesus. So let's... Commit to that and let's pray together. Almighty God, I do thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to know you personally through your son Jesus. I thank you for the privilege and the responsibility of sharing that new life with others. And God, today I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so that whether we're going to just go across the street or across the world, 
that your spirit will speak through us in our words and our actions that we might be obedient to this great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.